Thank you for joining Downstate Abbey. We appreciate you taking time to tune in and listen to areas of concern. Today we have an opportunity to speak to someone from out of our state, from the state of Florida. And her story, sadly, is one of tragedy and one that I believe will be a story of triumph eventually as we work together to see that these truly egregious and perverted laws, such as the New York State bail reform, are repealed and restructured in a way that bring us closer to social justice. I would I would like to be able to tell all of you that bail reform is an issue that is exclusive to New York State. While I believe there is need for extensive reform of our of our prison system, of corrections, of bail, what we have been given in this state and what was ushered into being by our governor, Andrew Cuomo, is an absolute disgrace and one that takes us further and further away from justice and is actually just jeopardizing our communities and especially communities of color. So our guest today, I'm going to direct our time and attention to her because she's going to share ways that her own state is also kind of slipping into this darkness of having these sort of reforms become what's endangering communities where she lives. This is something that is cropping up nationwide. It's popping up and we really would do well to unite and push back against it because as I have said a million times and many of you who've listened are probably tired of hearing it, this version of bail reform takes us away from justice. It emboldens crime. It endangers communities and it truly is a slap in the face to the honor and memory of anyone who um, perhaps was a victim of brutality, whether it was while they were incarcerated or any of the brutality that led to the need for real bail reform to take place, this reform does nothing to honor those memories and does absolutely nothing to put us to a place closer to social justice. So I'm going to turn our time and attention over to our guest today and allow her to introduce herself and begin to share the story that I know we all need to hear. Go ahead. Hi, Abby. Thank you uh, so much for giving me this time and sharing this space with me to uh, be a voice for my son. It's an honor. Um, to the listeners, my name is Latasha Hobbs. I am the mother of Maurice Hobbs, who was murdered um, in Jacksonville, Florida, which is the current state in which I live right now, two days after we celebrated his 18th birthday in 2017. My son was 18 years old for less than 48 hours when someone shot and murdered my son. Mm. Um, this tragedy is very difficult. Um, it's very painful. Um, it never gets easier with time. I, As hard as it is to even have this conversation, because even talking about it, it amplifies the emotion. Mm. But if I remain silent, I'm, I'm not serving my son any justice, you know, so please forgive me in advance if I stutter or if you hear me having to take a deep breath. Absolutely. Um, but uh, with, with my son being murdered, I, um, I was completely lost. I mean, this impact, you're completely, you're in total shock. Your entire world is, is flipped upside down. You don't know if you're coming, you're going. I mean, you're literally learning, having to relearn how to live, mm. you know, and being completely distraught, totally lost. You know, it's like I was reaching for a lifeline, trying to convince myself that in, in, in some way that there's going to be something beautiful that's going to come out of this because I can't be, you know, forced to hurt this much and not, and there not be anything rewarding because mm. this is a pain that no parent no mother, no father deserves to feel, you know, so I, I fought through it. I fought through the pain and I, I found a purpose in it. I know I wasn't given a choice to walk this journey, but in light of my son, I have the choice to make a difference. And that's why I'm speaking with you today. Um, it's been 1,482 days mm. since my son was murdered. There, um, we still have no arrest at this time. However, I do have a great relationship um, with my team of detectives, with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. I know they want the same thing I do. We're on the same team. 
they want justice for Maurice. And that's what I'm fighting for. Um, when I saw what happened, um, and um, I believe it was in Minnesota, the tragedy of George Floyd, um, it, I was horrified. I, I thought it was just modern day lynching is how I, I viewed that tragedy of George Floyd. Mm. And I was one of the people here in, in Jacksonville who was just, you know, I was just shocked by, you know, how comfortable this officer was placing his knee on the neck of this grown man. I thought it was horrifying and I felt it was very unjust and it's unacceptable. And I started to see the nation start, you know, rallying around that and, you know, really start starting to push for, for a change for police accountability. And, you know, and I understand that. There, I mean, that was what happened to George Floyd. And just thinking about all the other George Floyds out there that, you know, you don't see in mainstream media, you know, it, it's hurtful because it's, it's wrong. But I, I see, you know, other people around the country starting to really get, you know, behind this. And then I start to become more aware of this organization of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I really did it take a look into it. I did not, you know, do my research, but at this point <clears throat> with me, it's just right versus wrong. You know, it really wasn't trying to, to follow the narrative at, of the media at that time, you know, but, um, protests started to, to erupt across the nation. It happened here. I believe we have like, uh, five to, to 7,000 people that took to the streets in Jacksonville. I was one of those people here in Jacksonville, you know, sure. Um, but with them in a moment or within a matter of hours from protesting in the city of Jacksonville, within two hours, my city was being lit on fire. And it was just like this, this eye opener, you know, like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and I, I'm looking at the television. I see that. You know, Minnesota is set on fire. There's riots, you know, breaking out across the nation. And, you know, it's how, how it was able to go from peaceful protest to just lawless, lawlessness and anarchy and destruction. You know, it's just like you can't fathom that. You know, where's the justice in that? There is none, you know. Um, I, I'm home. I get home after peacefully protesting, and I turn on the TV and I see my city uh, being set on fire. Police cars are being bashed. And where all of this is taking place is right at the police headquarters, which is on Bay Street here in Jacksonville. And I, what made my heart sink in is like, oh, my God, they're going to burn down the entire police department. And Abby, what's in that police department mm. is my son. My son's in that police department. Every single piece of evidence that my team of detectives have been able to, to find and to put together to try to build a case so we can make an arrest is in that building. Mm. Along with my son, hundreds of other families, their children and their loved ones are in that building. You know, and I, I couldn't stay home and watch that. And against my both of my daughter's wishes, because I have um, two daughters, Cheyenne and Kiana, Maurice is my forever only son, mm -hmm. against their wishes, um, I left the house. I looked at my daughters, and I was very upset. I was crying. I was emotional. But I looked at them, and I said, I can't watch this. I'm not going to watch our city burn. I'm not going to allow anyone to set fire to the police memorial building. It's not going to happen. I can't stand here and not do anything. And I drove down there. I went right back downtown. And the hatred that was thrown at me from my own community. And there were people who traveled out of state that came and just sought to destroy our city, our community here the hatred, it was just so toxic. I mean, these people weren't here to, to, to protest. They were here to, to destroy, mm. you know, and it was this, it was awful. And, you know, it's just, 
Because they now we know that this bell reform is being pushed, you know, in addition to, you know, these nonprofits, nonprofits wanting to abolish the police, defund the police, and these horrific, dangerous, reckless, radical bell reforms being pushed. It's horrifying. It is, and I'd I'd like for you to... Right. And and the crowds didn't show up demanding justice for Maurice. (laughs) The crowds didn't show up demanding, Uh you know, ripping people out of buildings until they found, you know, anyone who'd talk about what was, you know, who, who, I don't want to assume, but probably somebody knows who ended your son's life. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but probably somebody somewhere knows. And I, I want to give our listeners a chance to understand. And I, I hate the thought of, of I, I can't make it more painful for you than it already is. I realize that. But a lot of our listeners don't know your story. And the last day of Maurice's life here on earth. And if, if you could just share with our listeners, because I think it's important for them to understand what you've been through, the miscarriage of justice, and how that segues into what we're talking about, which is this bail reform, which is such an insult to families such as yours who've been through absolute hell and endure absolute hell every day. So if you'd be willing to share with our listeners what happened to your son. Absolutely. January 26, 2017 changed my life forever. Um, It's unfortunate. It's been 1,482 days since uh, my son was murdered. Um, I know that someone somewhere knows what happened to my son. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I pray every day that the weight of my son is carried on their shoulders. You know, it's Some people think, you know, like um, justice is is like a movie, like when you watch CSI or, you know, these these other, you know, TV shows that someone commits a violent crime, someone commits murder, there's going to be a rapid arrest and the wheels of justice are just going to start turning. That's Mm -hmm. not real life. (laughs) What I live is real life. And it's unfortunate that those responsible for the murder of my child have not been brought to justice because we don't have enough evidence for that to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Meaning that someone in my community has, you know, the, the piece of the puzzle that we're missing right. to bring those responsible to justice so that my son can be served the justice that he is owed. It's a justice that I fight for every single day. I live and breathe justice for my son and I help and to elevate the voices of other families along the way and help guide them. You know, this is just for people to be able to gather in the streets by the thousands because that's just a thing to do according to the mainstream media. But meanwhile, our black and brown children are being murdered in our own backyards, in our own communities, but yet we remain silent. We do nothing. There is no protest. There's no pointing the finger at the shooter. There's nobody coming forward. And we talk about silence is complicity. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get to choose and pick whose life matters and who doesn't. Because my son's life matters too. Absolutely. No more, no less than anyone who looks like him or anyone who doesn't. Life is life. Everyone has the right to live, the right to grow up. And that's a message that for some reason, and not just in my community here in Jacksonville, but across the nation, we we keep pushing to defund our law enforcement. We're crying out for, for, for justice for our black and brown communities, but yet we are robbing families of it. Right, and your son was just walking home from school, correct? After after some sort of sports practice, I mean. No, he wasn't. He wasn't walking home from school. I was actually driving to pick him up. His car was broke down. It okay. was at my home. Okay. And I made I made a wrong turn because it was dark and I couldn't find the, the the street. I couldn't remember. You know, if do I sure. need to turn right? Do I need to turn left? Sure. And 
that's when someone murdered my son. Now here I am, fighting for him every single day. But Maurice is, in, he's an incredibly talented kid. And I say kid because 18 years old doesn't make you a man. You know, Maurice had many, many milestones that, you know, he needed to cross into his manhood. He was a teenager. He's sure. just a kid. You know, my kid, my child. You know, and it's just, it's it's so unfortunate that, that you know, those who look like him murdered him. And you he, know, and it's just, yeah. it's sad. It, it, it's tragic. I have I have an 18-year-old daughter myself and among other children, and I, I just, I hurt for you. I hurt for the loss of him. I mean, he had so much to live for, you know, promising music career. It just, it, it's unthinkable that just an un, unprovoked, like just a senseless, senseless act of violence, and it's happening every day. And the answer of our leaders is to, to weaken penalties and weaken protection around vulnerable individuals such as your son. Your son was unarmed. It was unprovoked. I mean, it's just unthinkable to think that <laughs> that this played out the way it did. And the answer of, of many leaders, at least here in our state, is, again, to put more power in the hands of people such as whomever it was pulled the trigger of that gun. It's unthinkable okay. to me to think that our governor here, Andrew Cuomo, is literally battering black lives, black and brown communities with the bail reform and with the COVID-19 jailbreak. And we're not told by major media to be outraged about it. We're not, you not, you know, spoon fed the little pudding cup of information that this is what you're going to be outraged about today. But every single day, mothers like you are, are living through the hell of having to bury their sons and bury their daughters. And it breaks my heart. And I, I would love, I would love to hear more of what you have to say and more of what has come to light for you through this journey, because you're obviously very passionate about, the impact of these reforms and how, again, perverted is the only word that comes to mind for me. It's just so twisted and so perverted. So if you could share with our listeners what brought you to the realization of just how bad, just how dangerous, just how flawed these reforms are. Absolutely. Um, I actually, I saw a post um, from um, a mother that I recently connected with. Her name is Madeline um, Brain. Mm. I'm not sure where I saw um, her post. I think it was a live. And I saw her, I believe she was standing in front of a courthouse, and she was um, chanting, um, murderers, no bail, stay in jail. And it got my attention, like, wait, what, what's going on? Mm. Murderers stay in jail. So I wanted to look into it, and therefore I did. And when I saw what was happening, I was just horrified. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They're, these bail reform policies are now allowing those who have been charged with violent crimes to get out on a PR, to, to a signature bond? Yes, and, and, and let me just pause. And they're, and they're, and they're cited to, to return back to court? Do you honestly think, especially with a, a repeat offender, do you honestly think that they're going to come back to court? Great You're, question. Oh, it's like opening the door to hell okay. to re-victimize <laughs> yeah. their victims. Yeah. To it, wreak havoc on their community. Absolutely. And, the, and it's just insane. It is. And Madeline Brame, her her son's murder, if it was caught on high-definition video. The perpetrators, it, why this is still awaiting trial, why the, the person that held her son's hands behind his back so they could plunge a knife into his stomach and into his heart, why that person was let loose, it, it defies all human logic. And it, it's horrible to think that a crime that was caught, I mean, I understand people being wrongfully accused. I understand the need for reforms. I understand right. all of that, as I, I know you you do and, and support as Absolutely. well. This case, Madeline Brame's son's murder, is is such a, a slap in the face to justice because it, it was caught on video. It is undeniable who did this to her son. So if they're taking someone guilty of that capital offense, and like you said, just you know, signature bond, we'll, we'll see you in court, it, it's unreal. And it puts everyone in danger because, as you and I both know— 
if, if somebody wants to get away from the law, they're, they're going to leave state. They're going to leave state exactly. and, and good luck ever finding them again, ever. So, you know, please carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I look, my heart pours to New York, sure. you know, and, and it's so unfortunate. And I know what I'm about to say is not going to go over well with some people, but you know what? That's okay. Because I will never misplace my passion, my passion for justice to appease the likes of someone else. What's happening in New York is due to the fact that there's no balancing power there. And this is what you get. It, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's crazy. And it can be catastrophic. Look at what's happening to the entire system. You know, it's just... You're I not mean, the first person to say that, just so you know, you're not the first. So I, I think a lot it, of people it, it, share it, that sentiment and see it for what it is. And unfortunately, it's the very party that quite often screams from a platform of social justice. And that's that's what's so baffling to me, truly. But yes, carry on. It's, it, 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 it's completely insane. And look, I don't want those repeat offenders, those violent offenders... Okay, I don't want them fleeing from New York and ending up in my backyard. You know, I know that may late. sound selfish <laughs> or that may sound harsh, but it's true. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't want them harming anyone. You're letting them yes, out. Yes, yes. That's exactly you're allowing it. And allowing them to further terrorize their community. That's exactly it. And then when it. they get down there, they're going to run because now they're, they're going to have a warrant for their arrest. Yep. They're going to want to leave state. I don't want them here. We have enough going on here. Absolutely. You know, we, we have to deal with gun violence. We have to, to deal with, with beatings, Absolutely. Absolutely. racism. We got enough going on here in Florida. And what I see happening with the bail reform policies is that it's having a domino effect. You have California mm-hmm. pushing these policies. You know what I mean? I do. Also starting to entertain these policies. You know, and I believe if I'm not wrong, if I'm if I'm not correct, or um, hopefully I'm not wrong, but please correct me if I am. I think there's a balance of power in Texas, but it's still being pushed, and it's also still being pushed here, and that's dangerous. It's unacceptable. I mean, uh, can how how can any politician think? that it's okay and it's acceptable to put a cap on murder. A 15-year sentence? A 20-year maximum? How could any politician think that it's okay to let out a sex offender Mm -hmm. because he's 55 years old as if he's not capable of committing another horrific act upon another child? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean... And as far as black and, it's, black it's and brown communities, like you have to follow the money to see who's pushing these horrible, horrible policies. <laughs> follow the blood trail. Follow the money trail. We, we, yeah, and, it, and it's god awful. It is because in nowhere in any of these policies have the, the the victims and survivors of homicide and violent crime have they been brought to the table no. for their perspective to even be shared? No, not at all. Let alone understood, because you can't even begin to try to understand something that you're not even welcoming into the conversation or into the policy process. I have a serious problem with that, because for far too long, victims and survivors of violent crime, survivors of homicide, survivors of murder, murder children, which I fit in that group, yes, that's my do. life, we are dismissed. Our trauma is dismissed. Absolutely. Our pain, our suffering is not acknowledged. It's we not. Just, we're pushed to the side. Like, and we're the ones that are having to live this life. Yes. Live we, this life. Yes. While our leaders are, are screaming that they, you know, black lives matter. And I, I can't help but bring a couple of facts to the table that a, a couple of days ago I aired a podcast and it was entitled Black Lives Battered because our governor is battering the daylights out of our black and brown communities. And I pointed to the fact that black and brown women are disproportionately at a higher risk for sexual assault, for domestic violence, for homicide. I mean, this is science. We, we have a governor who claims to follow the science. No, he doesn't. He follows whatever, you know, factoids, pseudosciences feed his political agenda. Exactly. So I, I'm really disgusted with groups who claim to care about social justice and are are dead silent on this because this is the most in-your-face attack on our communities that I could even imagine. And I 
I, I'm so grateful because I know you shared with me when we spoke on the phone yesterday that, you know, sometimes you just feel alone in this. And I do, too. There's times I just think, is it even worth the fight? Because it's literally like I, I feel like I've been dropped in the twilight zone some days where people are just completely oblivious to what this attack on us that is really unprecedented and especially communities of color and, and especially to the voiceless victims. It, it, it's a disgrace. And I, I'm encouraged to talk to you. I'm encouraged to know that, you know, we, we are carrying the torch. You know, it might be a little bit of a flicker here and there, but we have to push back against this because, as you said, you know, complicit is is guilty as anybody else in this sort of an issue. We're as guilty as the people perpetrating crimes if we're just complicit exactly. with our Absolutely. silence. What have Absolutely. you seen in your community with regard to... Um, you know, the, these private organizations, Madeline Brame had shared with me that downstate New York, they're seeing a lot of public funding directed to these not-for-profits that, uh, sorry, but anytime I see a really heinous miscarriage of justice where somebody who slashed their girlfriend to death gets released because he, he's above a certain age, it's, it's a certain agency that's representing them. And I'm just curious if you've noticed any sort of trend where you are in Jacksonville. Um, yes, there there has been um, a trend. Um, there was a push in um, October and November of uh, 2020 for um, people that incarcerated in Duval County Jail to be released due to COVID. Yes. Now, I would be okay with that because you don't want your 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 facilities to be overcrowded. Overcrowded. I understand COVID. COVID is a very dangerous disease. I don't take COVID lightly. Sure. I have a, a lot of respect for COVID because I've had it, and sure. it's, it's an awful, awful um, illness. However, if when you call to free them all, and that's what um, a couple of the nonprofits here in Jacksonville were calling for, free them all. You're actually calling, so you're promoting for violent offenders to be released. Yes. Child sex predators to be, to be released. Yes. See, that's when it becomes a problem for me. But thankfully, um, once again, there's a balance of power here in Jacksonville, Florida, and our leaders, our state attorney, she didn't buckle at her knees. Mm-hmm. You know, she released, you know, some people who were incarcerated at, at the Duval County Jail, but it was those that were not of um, any type of violent crime. Just and it was mostly seniors because she okay. has since. She's not. Melissa Nelson is our uh, is our state attorney here, and I don't agree with everything that she does. But I will tell you this: she is what she says is she sticks to it, mm. and community safety is a top priority for her, and. You know, the nonprofit and, the, and you know, the, the fellow activists here, they came for her head, but she didn't budge, sure. you know, and it's it's still being pushed. It's, it's still being pushed. I mean, if it's, I honestly feel that, you know, if, if there's not a balance in power, I mean, we're going to see a lot more of this insanity, these dangerous policies being pushed and police departments being defunded defunded and dismantled and abolished and the only ones that are going to benefit from these horrible things from these horrible policies are the ones out here committing the crimes are the ones out here hurting people shooting people stabbing people murdering people harming children it's just it's an yeah, it defies it's, all human logic. It's hard to even find words to yeah, like describe. Right, right. You know, you right. can't even describe it. No, you really can't. And it's we've watched in horror here upstate New York, well, downstate, but New York as a whole, with the manner in which our COVID-19 jailbreak has released violent felons. And we've been told, you know, left, right, and sideways, oh, they're just low-level offenders. And no, they're not. No, they're not. We had no. 50 back in March— in Monroe County, the sheriff in that county actually spoke to the press and said, listen, we didn't even get notice that this was happening. We got 
informed by the state that we were to release 50 inmates, five zero inmates, 15 of whom were, were sex offenders, three of whom were convicted child rapists. And they were told oh, they, they had to put these individuals up in the Holiday Inn in that area. This was like Greece, New York. And basically, I mean, I'm not even kidding you. To read the article was was like, this, this can't be reality. This has to be out of like, you know, fiction. This is beyond comprehension. So they put them up in this Holiday Inn and basically told the staffers at the Holiday Inn, you know, keep an eye on them. If anybody goes away, let us know. Here's our number. Ridiculous. And these aren't even really? people that tested, po- like if, if, if we're being told to mask up, keep six feet apart, I'm sure there's a way for them to make that happen in a prison setting or go through and release, really and truly only release low-level offenders. That's not what's happening. Right. Um, that's not what's happening at all. So I... I know, I know it's not. I'm, yeah. I'm reading it. I'm... I'm following your page. I'm reading the stories. I'm doing my own research. And that's why I had to to speak on it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all the way in Florida. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, no, there's, there's no way in hell that I can sit home and watch this madness unfold. I can't do that. Absolutely. And I just wish other people would understand exactly what's happening, you know, with these policies. Instead of just, you know, they're, they're, Complacent is the word. Complacent and complicit, I guess. If it if it doesn't come knocking on your door, I think there's some people who just, eh, you know, it, it's horrible to say it, but I think it's accurate. Sadly, I mean, sadly. I, I I can't imagine the hell your family has been through. Your children missing their sibling. I, I just can't even imagine. And we all need to look at your family's loss as if it is a loss for all of us because it is. I mean, this was a beautiful life cut short, and, and the reality is whoever perpetrated this crime could have done it again by now. Could, But the, the right. fact that we have lawmakers who have so obviously sold out to evil, I mean, you, you can't redeem— this. I mean, I've tried I've tried to kind of play a devil's advocate in my mind and look at some of these policies. And I can understand the need for bail reform. I, I totally, totally can. But th- this is such a perversion of justice and such a perversion of the solemn duty of keeping our communities safe. It, it truly is disgraceful. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to understand that by supporting this, it, it's completely contrary to to protecting our black communities. Uh, what what's the? Yeah, I'm not asking for specific it's doing metrics. The exact opposite. It's, it's doing it, the exact it, it's opposite. Doing yes, the exact opposite of what we are all fighting for, what we are speaking out for. I mean, it's absolutely, doing, it's harming us in every way. In every you know? way, and it's just it's unthinkable. And then you know, when you release these violent people back into the community, you've already defunded the police. You know, how are the police officers even going to be able to patrol? They're not. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, do you, do you release them on ankle monitors? Oh, no, that's right. You just, you know, write them a citation and you just let them sign out on their own signature and just expect for them to come back. You it's know, it's mean, laughable. It's, I know. It's so pathetic. It's, <sighs> it is. And, and, and it's just, and when you laugh at it, you laugh out of anger because it's just that despicable. It really is. It really it is. It is completely despicable. It doesn't, it, there's no logic behind it. It doesn't make any sense. And, and and look, and please don't get me wrong. Look, I'm not right. I'm not. I'm not far right, and I'm not far left. I'm right here in the meeting, the, the the middle. I'm reasonable. Yeah, same here. You know, this is. I'm all about justice. This is my life. This is real life for me. You know, I'm not just trying to speak into a microphone or be a face to a camera. This is real life, and so many families are hurting and suffering and fighting or re- just fighting to try to find a reason to put one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. And, and fight it's, for justice. It's and so... when you have politicians, because I can't even, public servants would never, ever put together such a, a destructive policy like the one that I read the bill before. Yeah, and the term and leader, it's hard to use the term on leader the roadmap, to... 2021 oh. roadmap. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm sorry I showed that to you, you but yeah. I know, I read it's that bad. And I'm just horrified. I know, you it's know? bad. It's bad. 
Yeah. And, and these are not leaders, like you know, lead, we're, we're being run. And I, I said this before and I'll say it again, but it's like this elitism that, you know, there's certain lives that are just expendable. And that is really the common thread that I'm seeing through all of this is, you know, certain communities, they're just expendable. Because I guarantee if any of these politicians had a child who was, you know, murdered, raped, any number of the the crimes that are on our bail reform, which probably very closely mimics that which is trying to be passed in a a host. It's it's like, does it really have to get personal for you to value the life being lost here? And it's just, it's a terrifying mentality to, to think that, well, if it doesn't affect me, it doesn't involve me. And Boy, what a what a slippery slope that is. I I just I can't. It's hard to take people seriously when they they complain about gun violence too. When so much of what we're seeing here is illegal firearms, they're getting turned right back out on the streets. I mean, people can build their own guns for crying out loud. Like it's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility to to say that there's probably more illegal firearms than there are legal firearms in our nation. I think that's probably the big obvious statement that everyone would probably right. agree with. And what we're seeing here I, I is agree. these. I, Violent firearm offenders are just, they're just catch and release. It's this revolving door of in and out, in and out. Hopefully they won't kill anybody on this trip out. Oh, they're back in. Oh, they're back out. And it's it's outrageous. And our state wants to empty its prisons by 75% by the year 2026. And that's that's their plan. That's, so. That's Well, it is. It is. And it sounds like the people that are fighting the hardest for justice for Maurice are, are in fact, the police. I mean, you've talked about your your team of investigators and you work closely with them. Um, Can can you just share with me what, you know, the bonds that have been forged there? Because it's got to be an incredible experience to have people who are, are basically strangers to you be part of such an intimate profound loss in your life right and and you know uh, it did take some time it took some time for me to develop that that relationship with with my team of detectives especially my my lead detective because i i can be honest with you sure. like there was nothing that you could tell me you know that to convince me of, of why trying to get me to understand of why i did not have and immediate arrest, okay? Mm. I mean, at, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not even listening to Maurice's aunt. So I'm not even listening to my sisters, okay, who's a police officer here in Jacksonville. Sure. Who's been on, on the department for over 19 years, you know? So, I mean, it's like at, at that point, nobody could really tell me anything. I just wanted those who were responsible, I wanted to see them in shackles and in chains. Yeah. That's what I wanted. So it took some time and it took growth for me to understand, okay, this is this is a process. Sure. And during the time of, you know, my detectives rolling with the punches, because I can honestly say with you to you that my conversations with them were not always pleasant sure. because, you know, my child has just been murdered. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm I absolutely said some not so kind things, but once again, that was before, you know, I I grew and understood that there that, you know, justice isn't always served easily. Right. You know, and it took time for me to learn and to grow to understand that these laws, there's barriers in these laws. And um laws make it very difficult. Um to get the wheels of justice really turning, especially um, speaking in general, not just about my son, but in general. You can have someone identified and located, but unless there's enough evidence to um, issue a warrant, it's not right. going to be denied. The state attorney's office is not going to, a judge is not going to sign off on that warrant, and the state attorney's office is not going to prosecute because they don't believe that it's solid enough to get a conviction, and you only get one chance to charge somebody, to charge someone with with murder and put it through the system. And if it's not rock solid, it's it's a risk that no one's really willing to take. I'm not even willing to take that that risk. So sure. I'm at sure. here I am. 1,482 days later, and I'm I'm still in this fight. You know, but with a better understanding, you know, it's just these laws, these laws are just, the murderers have more rights than the victims do. 
That's been said word for word, time and again, absolutely tragically true. And I think that a lot of these reforms complicate things even further because they strengthen the power of coercion. They strengthen the power of the don't snitch mentality. They, you know, because if somebody knows that, you know, if I do bring this to the authorities, chances are the perp is going to be handed an appearance ticket. And then what's going to happen to me when they know that I said something? I mean, it's just, it's a disaster. It's a disaster in every way possible. And I, I really believe we, we have a long fight ahead of us, but I don't know how to just roll over and play dead on this because the, the natural trajectory of this takes us to a place of complete anarchy. Um, police are totally demoralized. I mean, if, imagine risking your life every single day, and then you end up you're you're bringing the same perp back in. They're out. They're back in. You show up at the domestic violence call, which you know so often police officers lose their lives on these domestic violence calls. I mean, so often that is the reason why an officer gets shot point blank range. You know, trying to ambushed. save yeah, or ambushed. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and we're basically catch and release. I mean, I would be. I don't know how I could show up every day like these police officers do, knowing it's basically the whim of the politicians that's going to determine whether or not I have to come in contact with the same violent felon again and again and again. And, you know, it, it's it's preposterous. It, it's such an insult. And it's an insult to people that fought so hard for civil rights, that fought so hard to have people of color, you know, at the same table and with same opportunity as people with, you know, less. Pigmentation. Absolutely. And this is, yeah, this is probably one of the most in-your-face attacks on racial equality. Honestly, I mean, it really. I I, I agree. I agree. It's in. It's just a matter of trying to educate the public. Absolutely. You know, and encourage them. Do your own research. Like, don't. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Don't take your word for it. Absolutely. Do it. This is just. No one's it's, making this up. I wish we were making this up. I wish the day would come where I was like, well, you know, I was completely wrong with that whole bail reform thing. I was completely wrong. I misunderstood. I mean, I keep waiting for that day to happen. Like, this can't be real. And guess what? The day isn't happening is. because this is the reality. And it's I, I wish to, it is. It, it, yes. And it's, an uncomfort- it's the uncomfortable truth. And that's the problem yeah. with, you know, people in the community. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to accept the truth, you know? When your neighborhood is under attack and you can't even go outside and sit on your porch as a grandparent to watch your grandchild play because you're in fear of getting hit by a stray bullet because of a, a drive-by shooting or you're afraid to walk to the, to the bus stop because the sun's going down because you know that, you know whoever else is out here who just committed a murder last week is still not arrested. I mean, where's the light? How is that light? That's not living the life. No, not at all. It's it's cruel, and it's turning prisons and out of our communities. It's anything. right, but yet we'll we'll blame politicians, our city leaders. We'll blame them for it because of poverty or infrastructure or lack of quality education, which are all contributing factors sure. to gun violence. Okay, I understand that absolutely. absolutely. But at what point? Are we, as people, going to take responsibility for the things that we have failed to do? It starts at home. Yeah, it truly does. When are we going to look at ourselves? When are we going to hold ourselves accountable and responsible? Those are the questions. It starts starts within. It does. It absolutely does. And it starts with viewing victims of violence as if they are our own, because, as I've said before, we belong to each other. We have to look out for each other. You know, one race, human race. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a real tragedy when we as humans start to compartmentalize the way with which we view others like, well, they're inner city people. Well, they're you know, the the crime culture is going to devour each and every one of us if we don't push back against it. It's only a matter of time. And whoever whoever is greasing the machine, the political machine of money that's causing this bloodshed and this total perversion of justice, you know, really and truly shame on them because lives are being impacted in ways that are just completely un- unspeakable, indescribable damages, indescribable losses. No one can measure the loss of Maurice. No one can. There isn't a metric to measure 
that sort of a loss of a life. And it's unconscionable to think that we have leaders so out of touch that they're not looking at what you and I as, you know, quote unquote commoners, you know, just citizens, we can see this for what it is. And it's being ignored by the powers that be. So I I truly pray that our voices can be heard. And I, I do believe there's more that are seeing this for what it is like you and I are than we often realize. I think that the mental game of isolation, the mental game of this is a pointless battle, you're alone in this, you know, those are whispers that are not coming from a good place and they're not coming from truth. So I really do believe that there are people who are equally fed up as you and I are that are, are, ready to join in the fight because we're seeing it for what it is. And we're not going to get a chance. If we allow this to continue, we're not going to get a chance to turn it back. Once it really gains traction and devours our communities, you know, when police forces completely disappear because no one wants to be a police officer, what what happens then, really? I mean, it's awful. Yeah. I mean, look at the current climate. I mean, police officers, law enforcement, they're already um, uh, underpaid here, here locally, underpaid, understaffed, demoralized, I mean, completely demoralized, demoralized beyond belief. Yeah. You know, yeah. another reason why I don't like the whole blue, was it blue lives matter uh, slogan out there? Because number one, it was to counter, you know, actual black lives matter, but it dehumanizes the badge. That's a human being behind that uniform. That's not a blue person. Yeah. They're, they're an actual life. Yeah, they're a husband, they're a father, a they're a brother. I they're know. serving their cause and their purpose, and you're dehumanizing them, making, creating them to be an avatar. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. want no, my it's... family members to be viewed as an avatar. I, I, I get Her life is that expendable? No, she needs to come home. Yeah, absolutely. Her nephew was murdered, but you know what, Abby? She still wakes up every single day to protect and serve people who don't even care to know her name yeah. with a target on her back. Yeah, it, that is so true. Because of false narrative of all cops are killers. Yeah. And it's not the, okay. It's not okay. And that message is usually being proclaimed from people who would never have the courage or never have the fortitude or never have the conviction to make the sacrifices in their own lives to become officers. So, you know, for starters, you're probably going to have to pass a drug test at some point. You're going to have to go to the academy. You're going to have to go through an awful lot to become an officer. And a lot of the time, the people I hear critiquing and, and again, and there needs to be reforms that make sense, that don't protect that people who have no Correct. business in that profession because they, they suck at it, just like any profession. You know, but really, it, people that point the finger at any failing or perceived failing of law enforcement, they very rarely would be the ones willing to sign up, willing to go through what officers go through and, and be in those situations where they have a split second to make a decision that will impact whether or not they go home to their families or whether they get put in a zippered bag at the end of their shift. So I, I get very, yeah, I get very, very tired of that as well. And we saw this, if you were to go back and listen to a podcast, I believe I entitled it Sharing with the Sheriff. We had an upstate sheriff, Giardino, who I interviewed, and, and he brought up some incredible points, which are that the so many people of color in law enforcement and even high-ranking positions this past year, they, they got off the job as fast as they could. And and it's such a loss. It's such a loss to our communities to have people who have fought so hard to build careers just say, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore. It's not worth the cost. I'm viewed as being a sellout. I'm viewed as being, you know, subhuman because of what I do when I'm trying to protect my community. And yeah, it is. If, if you have a chance to listen party. to that, it is. And that's how is. you end up with these, these these awful people in the system serving well, your community right, because the good yeah. ones are for it. I'm like, you know what? This is this, this is what you want. That's fine. I, I have I have no place. There's no place here. For well, me. you can totally understand why people walk away from it. Because boy, what a thankless job, honestly thankless I mean, and treacherous. And, and when the politicians, you know, the elitists are. You know, basically creating laws that, you know, there's a target on your back and your hands are tied behind your back exactly. and now go out and do your job and you better not make a misstep or we're going to crucify you for it. So it's it, it, it's a mess. <laughs> and it's like, it's don't a dare a police officer come out and speak against defunding the department or the, you know, law enforcement agencies, you know, abroad, you know, 
-hmm. you'll be damned to hell and criticized for even asking the questions, okay, what part of the department do you actually want to defund? The domestic violence unit? The yeah. sex crimes unit, the yeah, sexual assault unit, Pick the one. homicide division, sure. the cold case Pick unit. One. Yeah. You'll be scrutinized. You're I, just I know. Like, oh. And it's just like, it's insane. It is. We really need to bring back the art of civil discourse and people need to learn how to communicate, not just, you know, fling memes at each other through the World Wide Web That's because the it's... the only way we're going to change yeah, anything. It's if very true. If we want true. really good policies that represent everybody, all people, all walks of life... There has to be meaningful conversations. Everybody deserves to have a seat at the table. Absolutely. And unfortunately, that's not what we have. That's not that's not what is happening right now. And it's just it's it's hurtful and it's sad. It is it's dangerous and it's destructive. It is all of the above. Absolutely well said. It is all of the above. And we all have something to offer. I would never claim to have a perspective that's completely, you know, without flaw or because it's impossible. I can't have your perspective course, on life. You can't have mine. And like you said, when, when we don't all share and, and put our truth into the solution, we're we're missing the mark and we have people that you know leader I, leader isn't even the term politicians who completely run with way too much power and not any sort of to satisfy their moral base, compass right well yeah i mean like really what's the motivation because i don't know i don't think any amount of money could put me to sleep at night if i knew i was passing a law that was literally endangering communities yeah there's no amount of money that exists that could put me put me into a sleep knowing that that was on my back and on my hands there's just no way you know they they don't care because you know why they have hired personal armed security guards (laughs) yeah they do yeah those guns are okay without a bodyguard no they don't you know they don't they don't have to catch the train they have their gated community that they go home to they're behind a rod iron fence yep you know, it's not real for them. It's not. And 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 the hell with the expendables. I guess you and I are the expendables that, yeah, yeah whatever. If, I, news I, yeah. To, news, to, news to these politicians, I'm not, I, I am absolutely not collateral damage, mm-hmm. nor are you, nor my child. Right, my right. My son is a human being. He is not a statistic. He is not a number. Absolutely. He's not a homicide case. He's my child. Absolutely. And I will continue to speak out against these awful, destructive, horrific bell reform policies. And it's just, it's got to stop. It does. It does. And it's only going to stop when we push back and and refuse to relent because they're just going to coast and slide and take the path of least resistance as long as they can. And I know you and I are are bound and determined to do everything we can to stop it. I I don't want to see any parent go through what you go through every day. You are living my worst nightmare. When When I think about what would be the absolute worst nightmare you're living it every day and i give you so much credit for having the strength to speak out to not curl up and and die in body mind or spirit or all of the above because i think it would be so easy and so justifiable honestly to do that so your love for your son and his legacy is is shining through loud and clear and 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 shining bright through this and i i do believe that his life will not be lost in vain. I do believe that that he is going to give you a voice and and many of us a voice to fight back against this because I would be willing to bet that whoever ended his life was pr- it was probably not the first time that they pulled a trigger and caused damage to an individual or death. I would be willing to bet that and what I can say is that that individual uh, honestly evil has no mercy. Evil does have no mercy. It, it, it evil is true. Evil has no mercy. This, 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 this evil being had no regard for human life whatsoever. Evil never does. Uh, no, it's it's indiscriminate and it's it's illogical and it's it is truly diabolical what we're up against here, and I I truly thank you for your time and perspective and if if there's anything you would like to say to our listeners in closing any final thoughts you're more than welcome to express them now. I would just really, um, I really want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to share Maurice's story and my perspective as a mother of a murdered child. 
and the work that you do and the awareness that, that you're bringing to the cause is so important, so important, Abby, and I really, really appreciate that. Hmm. Um, I would like for the listeners, anybody hearing this that's going to hear this, I would just, I plead with you to please, if you see something, say something. If you see something happening in your neighborhood and you know that it's wrong, speak up. Tell what you know. At some point, we're going to have to take action ourselves, and the time is now. If we want to do better for our communities, we have to want and do better for ourselves. It's not, it's not up to our city leaders or our legislators. It starts at home. Mm. We have to care enough to get this epidemic of gun violence under control. We, we, we have to care enough to speak life into young people, mm-hmm. to, to help intervene, you know, show them a different avenue other than a life of crime and violence. Absolutely. We have to care about our neighbors again. We have Absolutely. to see our neighbors' children as our own. Give them a sense of direction. If they're lost, lead them on the right path. Just care enough to get involved. And please, whatever you do, please work with law enforcement. They want to bring justice to so many families. And if we're not speaking up and if we're not saying anything, our communities, our neighborhoods will still remain unsafe. Justice takes us all. It does, each and every one. Change, better change takes us all. And we can do that if we all just cared enough to get involved and to really make a difference and to be a voice. And please, whatever you do, be a voice against these horrific dangerous policies mm-hmm. because it's going to do nothing but cause more bloodshed to pour out into the streets not just in new york not just here in florida but across the nation and at some point we, we have to stop this at the time is now it's never too late to do the right thing and the time is now Absolutely. And I I would truly challenge our listeners, myself, I include myself in that group to take opportunity to reach out to your representatives, anyone in a position of authority over you personally, reach out and express your, your complete outrage over this reform, because a lot of the time, lawmakers, they feed off of what they believe is important to their constituents. Sometimes they completely ignore it. But we need to use every every means by which to communicate that we can, whether it's emails, letters, petitions, because our leaders, our politicians need to know that we're paying attention, we're watching, we're holding them accountable. It's not enough for them to turn a blind eye because it doesn't affect their constituent base or them personally or their career personally. We need to voice in every way we can. You know, I mean, we've got families who are going through living hell every day who've had to bury their children. The least we can do is is put pen to paper and, and write letters and make phone calls and be unrelenting in our pursuit of justice for all because I can I guarantee if, if Martin Luther King were here to see this, he, he would be flipping right out. I guarantee. I guarantee. I mean, civil rights leaders did not fight for racial equality to watch it go down the tubes in the name of social justice. It's, it's like they flip the script and think people are stupid and don't see this for what it is. So in, in the name of all things sacred, push back against this because yeah. it's going to devour each and every one of us if we don't. And how we can look at our kids and say, well, I chose comfort over safety. I mean, what what a horrible position to be in someday if our kids look at us and say, how did you allow this to happen? And I just want to thank you, Latasha, so much for your time, for your heart, for being willing to share and, and be so open and vulnerable with us. I appreciate you immensely. I think that our relationship, our friendship has just begun and I'm encouraged by your heart and I am holding you close to heart and in my prayers daily. And I I mean that Um, you're going through a loss that, that no person should ever have to go through. I take hope in heaven. I take hope in knowing that your son awaits you there and, and it will be an amazing eternity to look forward to. But that journey from here to there, I, I want it to be filled with purpose and 
protecting those who can't protect themselves. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your heart. And I do look forward to being in touch with you in the days to come. So thank you, Latasha. Thank you so much. Thank you so thank you. much, Abby, for, for your support and, and your love. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure and, and the very least I can do. So thank you. And I will talk to you soon. God bless. God bless. So friends, this is this is the reality. This is real life. This is people who are hurting. This is crime that is destroying lives. And and these are two women we've heard from in recent podcasts. There are there are so many more. There's so many families who've been through horrific attacks, horrific crimes that leave them never the same. And we owe it to each other to stand up for each other, to push back against elitist politicians who've lost their way, who have no moral compass, who are heading on this downward spiral and taking all of us with them if we do not push back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for promoting the community at cancelcuomo.com. I encourage you to view the Downstate Abbey Facebook page, invite friends to join because the goal and, and really the desire of my heart is to simply create a platform where people have a voice, where we can hear the truth, where we can collaborate, and where we can truly see changes brought about because we simply refuse to give up. Do something amazing today. 